So I was torn. It was like a, a tug of war of what's, what's going to give? Is it going to be my new life or is it going to be construction? Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA. And since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. Tonya Rivers is a military spouse and mother of three with 17 years of experience in the construction industry. She is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit Mothers in Construction, which is committed to elevating the voice of mothers in the industry. Tonya is also the owner and president of WLS Construction Consultants, which is a construction consulting firm that provides mentorship and training to young professionals as well as small and disadvantaged business entities. In this episode, we talked about the challenges of being a mother in the industry, what companies can do to accommodate working mothers, and the unique skills that mothers bring to the table that contribute to the success of everyone. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Do you know what the number one question we get when speaking to companies about our Leadership Accelerator program for women in construction? We already have an internal leadership program or a mentorship program available, which is great. But the thing is, these programs don't work the same way for women as they do for men. There are many reasons why, but the most striking one, one that if you're a woman listening right now, you'll probably recognize right away. It's the double bind. We did some research last year and found that 78% of women were told that if they wanted to accelerate their path to leadership, they needed to be more confident. But 70% of those same women were also told that they were being too bossy. Basically, as soon as a woman embodies the traits most typically associated with leadership in the construction industry, they're faced with negative feedback. This is the double bind. And this is why specialized training for women is needed. If you want to learn more about how our Leadership Accelerator program can help you address the double bind and many other obstacles women face on the path to leadership, please visit ambitiontheory.com forward slash LAP. Welcome to Ambition Theory Women in Construction. I am so excited that I get to interview you today. Can you start off by introducing yourself and share what you do? Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be on your podcast today. My name is Tonya Rivers. I am the founder and executive director of Mothers in Construction. We are a nonprofit out of North Carolina that is committed to making workplace conditions improved for mothers in our industry and also elevating the voice of moms in the industry. I am also the owner and president of WLS Construction Consultants, which is a construction consulting firm that focuses on mentoring and training young professionals and disadvantaged business entities. 
I love it. So can you tell me what you love about the construction industry? I love the smell. I love the sound. I love the conversations. I just, I'm all construction. I've always, since high school, knew that this was the industry that I wanted to be in. I love being in the trenches with my team and problem solving. I just love it. I just love taking something from paper and turning it into a beautiful, beautiful project, beautiful building. Okay. I find it really fascinating that you knew you wanted to be in construction when you were in high school because I talk to a lot of women and that is usually not the case. Like usually they kind of discover construction later on in their careers or maybe when they're in college or university. It's not something that when you're in high school, you're really encouraged to pursue. Can you tell me about how that played out? I'm so curious. Sure. So I actually, I come from a tough neighborhood, East New York in Brooklyn. We didn't have a lot of access, but one thing that my parents did for us is they forced us to go to school out of the neighborhood. And I had the pleasure of attending Brooklyn Technical High School in Brooklyn, New York. And it was a science school, which was STEM related. Uh, I literally fell into the industry because I was, I used to run track. I ran track as a young child and all the way through high school. And my coach was the architecture. He was the teacher for architecture. So I naturally just joined it because that's where my coach was. But through that, I had exposure to a building construction class. And my teacher, he actually took us to a construction job site that was a few blocks away from the school. And I was able to, you know, we walked through the different stages. We saw the the workers. We saw the structure and the foundations being built. And it really interested me. You know, it really had a fascination for it. So I had a love for architecture at that time. And I actually did go to college. I went to Howard University for architecture. But in the back of my mind, I knew that I would I would go into construction. But I decided to take that route of pursuing a degree in architecture and then interning with construction companies to see if I really wanted it. And to be honest with you, the the internships that I had with architects, I hate to say it was a little bit boring <laughs> because, you know, I was working for a company that did mostly prototypes. So I didn't really get a chance to work on those wonderful structures like the, the Zahad Hadid was not <laughs> somebody that I worked with. So it was the construction internships that really interested me. I did estimating and I interned in construction companies in New York, actually. So what a better place to learn. So, yeah, that, that's really what what brought me into the industry. I love it. And then after you finished college, did you go straight into working in the industry? I did. I did. So I was a little bit strategic. You know, I had this love for both worlds. I really liked design, but I also knew that I loved construction, just that roughness that was associated with it. And that's really my nature. So again, I, I pursued a degree in architecture and throughout my school schooling, I interned with construction companies so I could get the best of both worlds and construction one. Okay, I love it. I love that you got to try all of those different things early on so that you could really connect. Because a lot of people, it takes them years to find their place. So that is really cool that you had all those opportunities. Okay, I remember when we first connected, you said this one line to me. You said, the construction industry needs mothers and mothers need the construction industry. So before we dive into like what that means and why you started Mothers in Construction, I want you to take me back to the moment where you had this realization? What was going on for you? I had this realization early on in my career. I had my first child seven years in to my career in construction. And at that moment, there was a lot of fear. My water broke when I was walking on the job site inspecting some lagging. 
And I had no clue what to do. I was working on a job site two hours away from my home. And I hadn't really, even though I was pregnant, I didn't know what life was going to be like as a mother in construction, as a woman in construction with a baby. So it was at that time that I just knew that I had to just get in where I fit in. I was offered up opportunities to go into different divisions, you know, within the company, a smaller project division. I said, no, honestly, I called the baby camp, <laughs> you know? So for me, so it was- on that one, I'm curious about this. So yes. you, your water breaks while you're at work. Yes. Obviously you figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> like you had the baby, you go back to work and Tell me what you just said. Repeat that. The baby camp. Tell me more about that. So I called. So a lot of what I saw, there were some women who went into positions that were at that time more mom friendly. You know, they may have gone back into the main office or at this time, that particular division had smaller projects. It was a little bit more flexible work environment. And I jokingly named it baby camp. Of course, I'm not knocking anybody who who went that way. But my thing was, I have my path and I'm going to work towards that path. That experience with my first child was actually, it was not rosy at all. Because again, I was traveling two hours one way to get to work. And I was, I was just ignoring all of the signs. My son, all of the signs, my son came two hours, two months early, excuse me. And I wasn't prepared for him. I wasn't prepared for him mentally, physically, anything in any sense. I didn't even have my mind wrapped around what it meant to be a, a mom and what it meant to still maintain my place. On my, um, going into that story a little bit deeper, my senior project manager, he passed away on a project around that time. I was still pregnant. So I was faced with, you know, a lot of the weight of the project falling on my shoulders, just wanting to be there for my team. I suitcased for a while. So I was suitcasing with this team for, at this time, it may have been about three or four years. So we were family and, and they meant a lot to me and so did the project. So I was, I was torn. It was like a, a tug of war of what's, what's going to give, you know, is it going to be my new life or is it going to be construction? So that was the first moment. When I had my last child, I think that was the most difficult moment for me because it was three children. <laughs> three children. At that time, I was now, I'd married um, and my husband is in the military. So my life was just fully dynamic. You know, my spouse was getting ready to leave and become deployed for a year. I was on this really, really tough, 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 high profile project. And again, I'm just team oriented that that project meant a lot to the company. It meant a lot to me. It was a, a career builder if I was able to, to to get it to where it needed to be. And mentally, I wasn't there because I was just I literally couldn't walk when I had my my last child for about a month. My body was broken down. Pregnancy is very traumatic, let alone in your mind, but definitely physically. And if you name everything, I mean, my, my daughter, she didn't drink out of from bottles. I, I literally had to nurse her where that was something that I really didn't do with my other children too long because of the nature of construction. So at that moment, I just thought that construction was not for moms. Like I couldn't keep up with the work. I came back to a whole lot of work that, a hole that I just couldn't dig myself out of. There was a younger professionals that was left on the job. My, my project, they held my seat, you know, which was a good thing. But I came back to so much work that I could never get on top of. And I literally, I almost had a mental breakdown, to be honest with you. And I said, you know what, I'm out of here because I can't deal with these hours. I'm up to four o'clock in the morning doing work. 
and I'm nursing and I'm working on a schedule. We were having we were having meetings in the evenings because my my executive at the time thought that that was a way to bring the team together where we all could be home. I'm really he was really trying to do the best thing, but it wasn't the best thing for a new mom. Literally had a newborn nursing one hand on the mouse, you know, working the schedule and talking to my team at 10 and 11 o'clock at night was just impossible. And I couldn't keep up. So I decided to run away. I put in my two weeks in. But long story short, at that moment, I realized that, yes, we, we belong here. You know, I feel like I brought so much to the table because I was a mom, because I knew how to work a schedule from day to night. You know, I had to think about concurrency in the home. There's so many times I had my baby on my arm and I'm downstairs putting the food in the microwave so that that's cooking while I'm upstairs brushing teeth, you know. So these are things that I brought to the table as a mom and leadership within the home and also brought it to the job site as well. Okay, so you gave your two weeks notice. You're going to quit. You're just going to walk away from this job. What happened next? So what happened next was my company said, really, they sat on it for a while. I didn't hear a lot. And, you know, the, the, the issue was that I didn't think enough of myself to have the conversation. It was a pivotal moment on the project that I mentioned. It was very high profile, and we were trying to get benef beneficial occupancy. And at that time, the president was in the trailer, a couple of VPs, my executive, and we were all in the trenches trying to work things out so that we can make this work for this owner. And it was at that moment that I felt like a failure. You know, I, I, I didn't even want to look anyone in the eye, number one, because I put in my two-week notice. Number two, because I felt like such a failure. I just felt like I wasn't performing like Tonya normally performs, right? And I thought that, you know, they weren't really happy with me. So one of them asked me, where do you think you're going? And I told them, I said, I'm going to work for a construction management firm because this is too much, <laughs> you know? And, and they're like, why? I said, because, you know, I, I know where, where we've gotten this project to where we are, but I, I'm just not at my best. And you know what? The, from the president down to all of those vice presidents, they shared their experiences where they sat in that same seat, where they had failed on projects, where they thought that they didn't do their best. And I was like, wow, like that happened to you too? You know, like here I am thinking that it was just me, that I was just such a horrible person that I couldn't, I couldn't meet up with it, you know? And it was at that moment that then we started having the conversation and they realized what I really needed. So they said, you know what, if you'll stay, they reduced my, my workload. They allowed me the ability to telework when needed, to take off what I needed with the children and put me on projects that, you know, that, that they knew would be a little bit less invasive to my personal life. And even up to me switching, tra transitioning to another position, I actually uh, worked with the federal government after my husband and I relocated to his next duty station in North Carolina. I worked that job from here, you know, five and six hours away. And so I said, hey, I'm, I'm moving on. So they allowed me to be me and to still lead my team the way that I, the way that I could. I'm really curious, was there any implications to the team? So the fact that you had these accommodations, they were doing all these things to keep you and accommodate you. Was there any negative impact on the project or the team because of this? I would say no. I mean, other than the FaceTime, but all of this happened around like literally right before COVID. So it was forced, you know, at the same time. I had started this process before COVID happened. But then on my last project, that's when, when COVID occurred. And we realized that that's, you know, we had to do what we had to do. We had to work in shifts 
everyone couldn't be there at the same time. And I was no longer um, close to them. But what it did, I feel like it brought us stronger that I was able to, well, it made me stronger as a leader, I should say, because it allowed me the ability to be able to lead from far away remotely to decide and figure out what my team needed. You know, I, at first I started having meetings with them when it was convenient to me, just thinking that, oh, it's okay. You know, I didn't think that I was really impacting them. And I remember my superintendent said, well, you want to have these meetings at eight o'clock. I need to be in the field. <laughs> like you want me to build a project or what? But I was glad that he said that to me because it, it wasn't like I was doing an intentional. I just wasn't there, you know, to to really think about that aspect of it. So I started to have meetings with them at five o'clock in the morning before my children got up. And maybe that bled into the brushing of the teeth and everything, but they had gotten used to the sounds of the yelling and the screaming and the, you know, the laughter in the background. And my 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 children became part of the team. You know, they had to say good morning to them and everything. But I don't think that there was any impact. I think that was very effective because I I one thing about me is I'm always about my team and the people aspect of things. You know, I feel like in construction, you can know how to build things with your hand all day. But if you don't know how to communicate with people and you don't know how to lead, then you're going to fail. You know, construction, successful construction projects are less about what people know in a technical aspect of it, but more about the psychology of it and how the team can grow together to get the project completed. I love that. So I want to actually try to put a finger on what value these presidents, vice presidents saw in you that in that moment when you were about to jump ship and leave, that they before COVID, when working remotely wasn't really an accepted thing, they took a chance on you and said, no, you stay. We will do what we need to do. I want to try to put my finger on what that was what the value was that they saw in you that they did not want to lose? What do you think that was? Well, from what I've, what I've heard, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a very modest person, so it's hard for me to, to talk up myself. But from what I've heard, even for me, I progressed in my career very quickly. And from what I've heard from people, it was just my ability to lead and my ability to be a mentor and a guide to the young professionals. Um, my ability to tap into people and how to bring people together and not just stomp on people and my relationships with the architects, my relationships with the engineers, my relationship with subcontractors, even though I wasn't perfect all the time. I've had my stories. <laughs> but what I think I brought to the table was being a mom. You know, my the young professionals that I worked with, they call me mom. You know, and my superintendents were my work husbands. My quality control managers, that those were my cousins or my, my, my brothers, my sisters. We had a family. And I, I ran my projects that way as a family atmosphere. And I cared. I generally cared about people. And I was all about career development, you know, and not stomping on people to get to the top. And I think there's value in that type of leadership because it goes a long way. I think, you know, people can lead with an iron fist and they can get so far. But at the end of the day, that doesn't make you money. And I think my ability to be a, a to provide servant leadership on my project as well and connect with my owners was something that they valued as well. I love that, Tonya. It's like the definition of transformational leadership, right? You said bringing other people, helping people work together, listening. I love that you listened to your team and moved the meeting so it worked for them. And then you made it work for you too. And then you became this role model for your kids. It's like this snowball happened as soon as they said, 
we value you and your expertise. So I'm really curious what was going on in your head because it sounds like really quickly you went from this place where I am not enough, I'm doing everything wrong to like, I am leading this team, I am power, empowering people, I am opening the channels of communication. Some kind of shift must have happened for you in your head. Can you tell me about that? I learned to accept myself. And I'll just be honest with that. I think, and I, and I had to think about this, even leading up to this, this interview. For so long, I had been put in positions to where I had grown in my career because I was literally placed with some senior project managers that they knew how to lead, but they didn't do paperwork, right? So I was always placed in positions that I wasn't really ready for. If you thought about it with the years in construction that I had, I became a senior project manager pretty quickly. And I always worked it out. Tonya always persevered. You know, I always made it happen. You threw this at me. I caught it. I grabbed it and I ran with it. For the first time in my life, when I had my last child, I couldn't make it work, at least in my mind. I didn't make it work the way that I normally made it work. You know, I wasn't necessarily shining the way that I typically want to shine and not really accepting the fact that this particular project that I spoke to you about within six months or maybe I say nine months, we had literally ripped the roof slab off a building, rebuilt it and, you know, finished up the core and shell of a building and did some awesome, awesome things on that project. And everyone had to sit there and tell me, look what you've done, you know? And I had to realize that for myself, look what you've done. It wasn't until I sat back and I started to look at pictures of progression to see where that project was and where we brought it to. And no amount of time, thinking about the fact that I was working 60, 70, 80 hours, that I was working every week and I didn't really see my family. And think about the fact that I had three children and I'm a military spouse. You gave it your best, you know? So I didn't even accept that my best was my best. So once they, unfortunately, it had to be someone else to accept it for me. <laughs> For me to realize it myself, for someone to sit there and tell me, like, look what you've done. And then I sat back and I said, yeah, I did that. That was the shift for me. That's when I can stop worrying about everything that I was doing wrong and started to think about the things that I was doing right. And it was it was a tough time for me as well, because I mentioned to you before that I did have a leader who thought that showing me my weaknesses was a way to bring me out of my fire when really I didn't need that. I needed nurturing. And he he really didn't understand that. He had really good intentions, but I fell into that zone because then I started to believe him. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You know, you're up at four o'clock in the morning, but you still haven't done something that I gave you two weeks ago. And I'm like, but I'm trying my best. You know, <laughs> what's wrong with you? And I'm thinking to me, what's wrong with you, Tonya? You're so used to, to snapping back, snap back, get it together. I couldn't, you know? So again, that transformation for me was to me to allow myself the grace to be a mom in construction. That really was what, what it was, you know? And, and I think that's what all women in construction have to do. Give yourself to grace, the grace to be yourself. Every time we ask our clients, what else is needed to help make the construction industry more inclusive? We always hear the same thing. We need men to get involved. They need to understand what it's really like for women in the industry. 
But whenever we speak to men who want to be better allies in the workplace, they're often not exactly sure what they can do to help. And that is why we came up with our latest free training, How Men and Women Can Create Opportunities Together. In this three-part series, we dig into the differences between transactional and transformational leadership. We look at why we need sponsorship versus mentorship, and we discuss how to build more inclusive cultures. Most importantly, we share practical ways both men and women can start making change within their companies right away. To access the replay, go to ambitiontheory.com forward slash together and please share it with the women and especially the men that you work with. I love this story. A couple of things, a couple of like elements of it. I want to point out if that's okay. Sure. So one is the the president, all those vice presidents that were in that office that the, what the that were the people that said no, you can't leave. I think they were your sponsors. I think they always had your back, but you just didn't know it. So I think that was happening. It probably happening for a few months, maybe a year, because they knew they had your back. They were looking for you. Like they were looking out for your best interest. So I wanted to point that out. Did you make? Did you? Are, are you aware of that now? I was aware of it that moment. I was. And and I, I was the type of leader that I really tried to handle my projects alone and and not really get them involved. I had some FaceTime with them, of course. They knew who I was and I knew who they were and we had conversations, but I never had the tough conversations with them, right? So yeah, I, it wasn't until that moment that I realized that, you know, I could be human around them. That's so fascinating because it sounds like they trusted you so much. Like they so they had so much confidence in your expertise that they didn't feel the need to have those harsh conversations with you. Another interesting point of your story is that manager you talked about that was always pointing out your faults, telling you when you were doing things wrong. And it was literally like breaking you down, like like taking your energy away from you. There's this really interesting research that says, especially you were a senior project leader, you were on the leadership track already. From a leadership development perspective, giving people critical feedback isn't actually as effective as giving them positive feedback. So telling them what they're good at and asking them to do more of that is actually more effective. And I think it took that moment where literally you were going to leave for everybody to kind of step out of the woodwork and give you that positive feedback that you probably so desperately needed for all of those years as kind of you were having your three kids. That's lots of kids. Right. <laughs> That's true. And I think I, I suffered through that as a mom, too, because. You know, when we, if the children eat late or we're late to an appointment, you know, you just beat yourself up so bad. And the times that you make the mistakes with your children, you know, you're not perfect. You just, you're so down on yourself and your children love you anyway. <laughs> you know, they, they show you unconditional love. And those are the things that I've had to literally take into my career. And I'm still working at it, you know, because again, I'm a problem solver. That's things that you get caught up in as being a project manager. You have to be a problem solver. You have to make miracles happen. And I was just so used to doing that all the time. And when I couldn't click my heels and make that miracle happen, it was like, oh my gosh, what, what am I doing? Am I myself? I'm looking at my clothes like, is this me? Yes, it is you. This is the this is the full you that you've never met before. And I think that's the best you as well. Because I think that I became the best leader when I recognized that. Because I'm a hard leader as well. And I probably didn't rub everyone the right way all the time because I always had high expectations. But once I learned just exactly what you said, that 
that critical feedback is necessary to a point, but you have to be more nurturing with it. You have to to match that with the positive or, or lead off with the positive and then say, but at the same time, hey, once you do X, Y, Z, that happening to me changed me as well. I love it. So one thing on the negative feedback, and this is from a study. So it basically says if the, because I want people listening to understand this. Is that okay if I jump in? Sure. Um, it's a little teachable because the interesting thing, it's like if it's feedback about how you're doing the job, like how you're managing the project, something technical, 100% that critical feedback does work because it helps you course correct. Like if you don't know you're doing something wrong, then someone giving you that critical feedback can really help you grow in that area. The, where the critical feedback is not helpful is when it's about your leadership ability. So your ability to lead others, to influence people. It's way more effective to focus on those positive aspects. So do more of the things you're already good at. Lean into this ability that you have to inspire others to get the next generation to step up. All those wonderful things that you were clearly doing, if you had more feedback about that, then it would become more aware to you. And yeah, you wouldn't have been in that place where you're so exhausted and burnt out and not wanting to go any further. So that's a quick little teachable on feedback. But I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about mothers in construction because I have heard this from women. I've heard this from leaders who are both men and women that traditionally this idea of like becoming a mother, having children is typically a roadblock for women, especially if they aspire to a leadership role. Can you talk about that? Yes, I will say that not enough women share their story, especially in leadership roles, about being moms. It's just something that we hide. You know, we 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 hide our pregnancy. We try not to get sick on a job site. We we're literally not happy when we find out that we're pregnant. A lot of women in construction, I I've never had joy. I've always had, oh man, what is this going to happen to you know what's going to happen to my career? What's what's this gonna what's this going to do to to the project? at the right time like like all of these things right so you think about being a mother in construction automatically it's a negative aspect to it it's not celebrated it's not it's not recognized for what it is is that without women in construction you don't have these wonderful leaders who bring so many things to the table that can think outside of the box that can that are great with schedule that are great negotiators because we deal with our children and we negotiate all day long, okay? That can shift and move and and pivot better than anyone else because we have to do it every day. That can multitask, you know? We're needed. You know, we 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 belong here is, is what I say and and I think that for so long it's been looked at as something that just happens to us. You know, it's like, okay, well, you get pregnant. All right, well, we'll we'll figure that out once your contractions start. You know, literally, there's no plan. <laughs> there's absolutely no plan. So in the past, it's been when I actually spoke to someone today that I'm going to be interviewing for my podcast. And and literally when she got to the point of wanting to start a family, she switched positions. She went into the, into design and left the field. She said, there's no way that I can have children in this field. That, that's what a shame, you know? And, and like you said, the other, other industries have embraced this, you know, the, the different aspects of teleworking and supporting women, you know, throughout this transition in life, but the, the construction industry is slow going with it. So 
You know, it's not a roadblock anymore. It shouldn't have ever been a, low, a roadblock. And the thing about it is that there's many women that it has not been a roadblock, but they haven't told their stories loud enough for us all to hear and understand it. So that's why, that's what where Mothers in Construction comes in. I started off with the podcast, one, as a fact-finding session to talk to different women that had different experiences than me, women in, in the field, the women in, in the trades that have totally different experiences than someone who's in project management who can telework, right? There are women who are welders and plumbers and electricians that they cannot telework. They work, they're working with their tools. So their pivot is totally different. But not only as a fact-finding session, you know, with the podcast, it's also so that we can get on the microphone and yell and say, you know what? I did this. You can do it too. And here is how I did it. And that's what I see that we have to move forward with, with the construction industry is this, this history, this thing with storytelling is for us to share our story so that we can inspire women to join the field and stay in the field. Because I think that our numbers have been so stagnant for so long because just as quickly as people are coming in, they're leaving to have their children. You know, that's the thing. It's like, okay, this is this is a, a an industry for your young twenties, and then you know, midlife. You know, your your fifties when you've you've had your family, and we really don't understand what it is to struggle through menopause, to struggle through having children, raising teenagers, and having babies and premature babies. Like these stories are just not out there. So, um, I mean, I hope I answered your question, but I, I think that that is what Mothers in Construction is going to bring to the table by establishing this community of women and mothers in this field that can get together and help each other and pull each other along the way. Okay, one thing I re that really resonated with me with what you just said was how. And I think there's not one how. Right. I think when mm. you're telling me your story, it's like there's so many different hows. Right. This is how Tonya did it. And there's just not enough hows. We need all these examples of different ways that women have been able to do this. But also, how has the company been able to support them in so many different ways? Because I think we, we don't really have enough examples of like, yes, this is possible. This is how we can do it. And when we get more of those hows out there, I think those will resonate with people. And then you can create your own how, right? You can pull pieces from everyone's story and then create your own how. Companies can borrow policies from all these other different companies and then create the policy that's going to work for, for them. Because I don't think there's like a one size fits all approach, right? Like what I think the one size fits all approach, you said it earlier. It's like, we'll figure it out when you have the baby, right? Right. And <laughs> that's the one size fits all, right? It's really focused on that one date, like the when, that date, which it's kind of more transactional, right? It's like, once this moment happens, then we will figure out how we're going to deal with it. But there's so much, the how is so much more complex, right? Like you're a human, you're a family, there's team dynamics, there's your spot. What's going to happen when you're gone? What if you come back? There's all these questions that I don't think we're talking about. So I love that you're gathering these stories. Because one thing that we talk about is role models. And one of our clients actually said this. They said, if you can see it, you can be it. So I love that you're gathering these stories and creating opportunities for people to really see it. And for companies to learn, like, I can see it. I can actually see as a company that we can be successful in supporting our employees through these transitions. So I'm curious through your all of these interviews, what are some things 
that really work. And I'd love it if you could share things that work for women, but then also some things that companies are doing that are working. I I see a lot of emerging groups come into fruition where that storytelling can happen because in the mentorship can happen because there are a lot of, of women run groups that are where there are a lot of moms, there are young professionals, there's different people of different age groups and, and different sides different sides of the industry that can get together and tell their stories and help each other out. So I'm seeing that happen a lot. And I think that definitely works. But I think we need to see more works. You know, we've got all of these different groups that are popping up, these Jedi groups with all of these different organizations and companies. But one thing I want to work on is like workplace policy development, because I honestly do not think that people are ill, have ill intentions when it comes to to women and going through this transition. It's just that, you know, back in the day, a lot of the men, because they were seen as the breadwinners and they had to work. They may have slept in a different room. I've literally had conversations with with people that I used to work with. They went in a different room and and slept and the their wives handled the baby right so it wasn't always a family aspect it was a female thing well that's changed <laughs> now they there's there's a company that I, I'm trying to interview as well they're called their lead dads right so they're proud of being the lead person in the household to handle doctor's appointments and dinners and whatever it is that has to happen so that aspect of parental leave is is coming into com- companies are offering that more. And back in the day, again, what is what does a man need parental leave for? Did you have the baby? <laughs> you know, no, but they need to help with the with the child. So I see that 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 is something that's working as well. But again, going back to the workplace policy development, my problem is that I went along with this. We'll figure it out when you start having contractions, right? Like that was okay. You know, I I went along with that because I didn't know any better and I didn't know to speak up for myself. So I think that, you know, the the goal of Mothers in Construction is to help women elevate their voices to really say what you need so that there is a there's a procedure that happens when you become pregnant that, all right, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. This is going to take over for me. We're going to work through this. These are the tasks that I want to complete because there's never ending. Right. As much as I said, oh, I'm just going to work on these 10 things. There was always a hundred more things coming at me that I tried to handle. And I didn't even get to the 10. I'm working on the other 50 things, right? But you've got to have a final, you got to draw a line in the sand. This is what you're going to do. This is what, you know, uh, employee B is going to do. Then when you come back, we're going to do touchdown days where we can do check-ins. And then you have a transition to come back to where it's not so abrupt. So those are things that I think that are are not there yet for the industry that we really need to work on. I love it. And it's it sounds like you're kind of at this we're at this place where like women kind of need to speak up because the policies are not there. Right. So it's not that people are doing this, putting you in this stressful situation on purpose. You said it like it's not with ill intention. It's just like they don't know. They don't know what the policy should be. No one's given them a policy. So it's like I think women have to speak up in the short term with the hope that and the vision that these policies will be created. There will be a role model so that in a couple of years down the road, women don't need to. It's like, okay, you're pregnant. Great. Here's the steps. <laughs> right. And someone else's, it's like really shifting that burden onto the organization. And it just seems like 
we're not there yet, but that's the hope. I think that's like what I'm getting emulating off of you is that that's kind of what the vision that Mothers in Construction is working towards. Right. And if I could share another quick story, I hope I'm not going too long, but that can just bring that all to fruition. So I had a superintendent that I worked with on one of my projects and we didn't, we didn't hit it off well at first. It was a little difficulty because I think I, at that point in that project, I was seen as the third wheel. They were trying to figure out, well, what is she here for? And I'll never forget that um, I was with my, so I had my second child and she, my middle child, she was six months and my son was three and both of them came down with the flu and we were starting up a project. We didn't have any subcontractors working as of yet, but we had our field office there and we were deep in, we were working on the schedule, but my children got sick and I had to stay home for a week with them. But I telework, whatever they needed me to do. I had my computer, I got things done. They called me on the phone. Hey, I need you to take care of these things. I, and at this time, again, it's unheard of that there's teleworking and construction. So when I got back, the superintendent was angry and he's like, look, your personal life is not going to interfere with this job. And when I tell you, I went clear off. (laughs) I jumped to my feet. I said, you know what? I am a mother. I love my children and I do not apologize for my children. I said, I'm on this project because Everyone believed in me to be on this project. And I said this, I belong here. That's why I say this to this day. I belong here. I'm going to work through it. If you need anything from me, it was done. It was taken care of. Okay. So I said, you're going to respect me and you're going to respect the ability for me to do my job as a mom. And I'm going to tell you that turned the corner for him and I. I jumped, I stormed out of the room. Went and took a drive so I could cool off because I was so upset. And I'm talking about this guy was six foot four, 300 pounds. I didn't care. I went, <laughs> I clearly went off, right? The next day, he called me in his office and he said, you know what? Thank you. I'm looking around like, is there someone else in the room? He said, thank you for sharing that with me because he said, I didn't think about it that way. The only thing I was thinking about was the fact that, you know, we're hot, we're heavy. I want this job to go great. Like we all got to be in you weren't here. And I just knew you weren't physically here. He said, but you're right. Everything we needed you to do, you took care of it. I re- he said, I respect you for putting your family first because he said, if I did, if I had done that in my life, I wouldn't have gone through some things that I had gone through personally. And to this day, we are friends. And this is a rough dude. Like this is a really, really rough and tough dude. But I, I shared that story to say that all I had to do was speak up for myself. All I had to do was really let him know what it was to walk in my shoes for the moment, you know, because he didn't have that vision. He didn't know. I mean, he didn't have to stay home with any children. Again, my husband's in the military. Like it was all on me. He was away at that time. So, but again, you can't expect everyone to be mind readers. So I think that again, not saying that you have to have that type of traumatic experience to have these conversations, but we've got to have the conversation. So had I not had that conversation, that project, I went and built a successful building with this man, you know, together. And hearing that story, you probably didn't like him when I started, right? <laughs> yes. But he's a friend. He's a friend. Like that conversation changed the story. So I think if we have more of those stories and enough women have enough of the, you know, get enough gumption to have that conversation and to stand up for their values and to make sure that everyone knows that, yeah, I belong here, but I'm going to raise my children too. Love that story. 
especially because growth only comes from discomfort. So there was some extreme discomfort on both of your perspectives. But like when you go through something like that together, it seems like this relationship is so much stronger now. And the, who knows what they've been doing, what they've been talking about, how their life has changed, how the team, how they manage things differently. Like you gonna invited them to go on their own journey of growth and learning and discovery because you had the courage to speak up. I love that story, Tonya. So we always encourage people to take action within 24 hours after learning something new. So I have learned so much from you today, but I was wondering if you could boil it down to one or two things, probably just one thing actually, that people can do within the next 24 hours to get started. I think honestly, what I just shared is is enough. It's just to learn to speak your truth and to let everyone know what you need to survive and to make it. You know, you deserve to be here. So you have to learn to think enough of yourself to recognize that, right? So once you establish that you deserve to be here, now it's what do I need to be here? And that's anybody. That's not just mothers because you've got people that are in construction that are dealing with the the death of a, 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 a loved one or, you know, taking care of their elderly parents or grandparents. Everybody is going through something and everyone has needs. But if everyone just takes the time to communicate their needs to the next person, I think everything can can go a long way from there. I love it. And how do people connect with you and learn more about mothers in construction? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram as Mothers in Construction and Facebook, also on LinkedIn, Mothers in Construction. You can also check out our website, mothersincon.org, working on a bunch of workshops in North Carolina that should come to fruition, if not the end of the year, but definitely by the first quarter of next year. And we have a spot where everyone can join our community on our website. So I hope that everyone will do that soon. Amazing. We'll put the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Tonya, for spending the time with me. I love this interview. I love your story and I hope it inspires so many more people. Thank you. Hey, before you go, I wanted to take a minute to read a review of our podcast. This review is from SSPCL123 from the US and they say, fantastic. I have been absolutely loving this podcast. It has been motivating me to be a more reflective and engaged colleague. Thank you so much for that generous review. We really love hearing from our listeners. And I'm wondering if I can ask you a favor. Can you take a minute and leave us a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts? That really helps us to get the word out so that we can keep making episodes for you for free. Thank you for listening.